here we are again. Uh, uh, right, hold on, let's start. Are you getting bored of the podcast? No, not me neither. Slightest. Me neither. People have been listening to it. Have Loads. you had any messages? No, do you get messages? I've got a couple of messages. Saying what? You don't tell me. I've had a couple of messages from people um, who have been listening to the podcast and they really like it. You, you had an email conversation with another artist about something totally different yes. and then he replied saying I can't wait for the next yes, episode that's true so we've got one listener yeah and and then I've had another couple of artists as well uh, who have messaged me on Instagram to say they like the podcast so can that's we, really good can we do some clang name drops just no let's and, not do that no clang clang <laughs> welcome to Hustling 101 I'm Mysterious Al and I'm Gareth Lewis. Uh, all right, should we get started for this week? Yeah. Who's uh, going to go first? I'll find a question. Let's talk about Futura versus the North Face. What's going on there? been big news this week hasn't it it has it has um do you want to kind of give a bit of a background on who's involved mm. obviously people know the north face mm. which is probably one of the largest fashion technical clothing brands out there at the moment it's also one of my favorite brands one of both our favorite brands yeah. we both wear it heavily yeah didn't you used to work for the north face i used to sell north face yeah um I think I think everybody that listens to this podcast will probably be aware of both of these brands. The, the, the North Face being one, and Futura, the artist, being the other. Um, Wait, now, it's interesting what you said. The brands, and you've described an artist as yeah, a brand. Yeah, as that was coming out, I wasn't sure if it was the right thing, but I, I guess... Do you class yourself as a brand? No. So, is he a brand or is he an artist? I think he's an artist. Okay. Yeah, he's an artist. That yeah. was the wrong. That was the wrong word. It's cool. We've picked it up though. Um, you know, I think he he's one of the he's one of the forefathers of our scene. Yeah. You know the kind of art that I do. He invented American New York. Yeah, New York old school graffiti writer from Probably New York. Probably mid fifties, late fifties. What older? Oh yeah, he's. I think he's sixty odd now. Okay. You know, like, he was one of the first guys. Mm -hmm. But more importantly than that, he was one of the first abstract graffiti writers. Yeah. Maybe the first, I'm not sure. Um, you know, and he's been consistent throughout all these years. Yeah. He's done some really, really big things. Everyone will recognise his point, man, that he did for Uncle. And the people probably recognise his work, but maybe not him. They'll know the work, but yeah. as soon as you go, oh... They would have definitely seen it somewhere. He's yeah. done a bunch of stuff for Uniqlo. He's also He used to have his own brand i think and he's just he's worked with everybody he's well loved by everybody yeah you know he's a, he's a he's like a treasure he's like a you know we all love him mm. um, he, he, from we've literally an hour ago you'd got a little clip on your screen and he didn't see not like it was just a little youtube clip so he seemed quite humble humble engaging there was no ego there was no sort of up his own arse he just generally seemed like a, a nice guy that you could have a chat with if you bumped into him yeah so he's on one side he's in one corner and the North Face brand are in the other corner so what happened was um, recently the North Face who work with a lot of artists and collaborate with a lot of other brands you know they've been doing stuff with Gucci and with Supreme and you know the, loads and loads of collaborations and crossovers mm-hmm if they were a brand that didn't collaborate with artists, then you know that might have affected, that might have changed my my outlook on this. But um, they started a new line uh, called Future Light, mm -hmm. and the logo for Future Light that they created was an atom swirl, yeah. which looked to me identical to the atom swirls that Futura has used as a motif in his artwork, has been painting on the street for. 30 years now here's a good po here's a good point that we say the North Face and Futura have worked together in the past well this is it so they have worked together in the past it's not as if there's not been a working relationship prior yeah so 
what happened was Futura. I've got to say, when I first saw an advert for this Futura light, I thought, see, I'm, I'm even saying Futura light. Yeah. It's called Future Light, but that's how confusing it is. Mm-hmm. When I first saw an ad for this, I thought it was a collaboration between Futura and the North Face. I really did, because the word future is kind of written in the same sort of way, in the way, you know, mm-hmm. the way that he, when he puts his name Futura in like a heavy slab font, you know, it looks similar with the atom swirl. There is no correlation between the atom swirl and the word future. Yeah. You know, when you see an atom swirl and Futura, you, you you know his name goes with the atom swirl because it's it's his yeah it's his mark it's his mark been... that you know if if they'd said if they'd called it future light and had like a you know an arrow like pointing to the future or uh, you know I don't know some DNA right or something <laughs> like that yeah then. You could say, all right, cool, uh, yeah, I see what they're getting at there. You know, that's something to do with the future, an hourglass, I don't know, something, right? Yeah. But the fact that it's called Future Light and the fact that it's got an atom swell, all right, coincidence? It, and it's not a technically perfect atom swell. It's a very scribble one, which is very, very, very close to his... It's so stylized. Yeah. In fact, if anyone wants to see a example of, of how similar they are if you guys go to Tristan Eaton's Instagram uh, he did a post on this we'll and, put a couple links in the bio yeah and he put um, he, you know he put a, the two images next to each other and I mean it's 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 plain as day yeah so you know this was the first thing obviously Futura he's been in the game a long time uh, he's no stranger I'm guessing to being ripped off he's a decent businessman he knows what's going on so um, you know he called them up on it. The problem, I think, really started uh, in their response, the North Face's response. Futura posted it on his Instagram, and it's horrendous. Mm -hmm. You know, they essentially um, dissed him. Yeah. You know, in their response, they said that he was, uh, you know, a self-proclaimed street artist. And that's their quote. Right. Self-proclaimed street artist. Which is a par, right? That's a hard par to say that. Which they've employed in the past. Well, this is the problem, right? They said that he's a self-proclaimed street artist who occasionally uses an atom motif, right? They cannot say that if they've previously worked with him. Yeah. Because they wouldn't have previously worked with him if they didn't rate him. Exactly. Right? So now they're kind of turning back on their heels and saying... He's self-proclaimed. He, he ain't all that. He was good enough to work with you all those years ago. So it's savage. So how... You don't know, but I'm just asking your opinions. How has it got to this point? Has some design team tried pushing it through and thought they might get away with it? Do they know exactly what they've been doing and they've created this sort of rumbles in media? I would like to think that it started off as a fuck-up at the desk of one of their designers. Yeah, he's seen it. He might know them. He's influenced it. He's seen it on Pinterest. He's Every, seen it everybody on... loves Futura, so he would he would have known... He or she would have known Futura's work, you know, and then either ripped it off, you know, or, or been influenced by it subconsciously. Then he's gone in. All the designers and creatives have presented it to the creative director... Yeah. The, then that suddenly got carried away, and that they've thought, "Shit, should I flag that I've pinched this from somewhere else?" Or the problem is that you know, by the time this got to global or to senior levels, it uh-huh. should it should have been squashed then, unless yeah. it was all deliberate, unless they tried to get away with it. Which, as a brand that I really like, who work with a lot of cool artists, who I really like, mm-hmm. I really hope this isn't the case. But then. For them to come back with that response was just suicide for them. You know, really, you know, it's it's that is a terrible thing to do. Like that's what really confused me. Yeah, and so where where is it at now? Is this gone straight to legal? Well, has, he's, has it, the range been pulled? Well, he, I don't think the range has dropped yet. 
I think that they were just in the marketing phases for it. But I it can launched. tell you now, if that does drop, that will be one of the most sought-after collections because of what we're talking about. No, I see. I I don't know. I I don't think any of the heads will buy it. And in fact, I actually think that if they do launch it, then you know their shops are going to get chromed out. Mm. I think the repercussions, especially in New York, will be huge. Yeah, I really do. I'll definitely stop wearing the brand at the moment. You know, you know, I've got gaffer tape over my North Face. Uh, yeah, I've noticed that. Right, but you know, it's an expensive jacket. I can't put it on the shelf just yet. You know, I need it, but. You know, it's really. I'm really disappointed in their response to this. Really disappointed. Put yourself in. Okay, so this has happened. What would he sit and accept a financial gesture so it goes through, or do they go back to the drawing board and recreate this, or just scrap it? What would you do? What hmm. would you do right now? Interesting. Well. It depends how far down the line it is, and it depends how much his atom features in the collection. Yeah. Right? This might just be the branding for, like, the, the top line, mm -hmm. right? So if that's the case, then they can still release all the technical garments, um, take off the atom swirl wherever they need to. It appears. You know, and then perhaps if they don't want to change the name, they can just pay him and apologise. Mm -hmm. Right? I would be happy with that. Uh, I don't. I can't speak for Futura. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing is he might just put a cease and desist on the whole thing. I don't know where he'd stand with that. I mean, obviously they could afford better lawyers. And this, this is sort of interesting. As an artist, you your work is very much recognised for the eyes. Yeah. Like the circular of their eyes. But I don't own those. But you don't own those. No. How? I'm not. I'm just asking questions. I'm yeah. not saying who's right or wrong. But how can he? Like, yes, that looks very similar. That atom swirl to his mark that he does, but he doesn't own. Where where have they crossed the line? That uh, I think it's the name and the atom swirl together. Together. But I think if it was the just problem. the atom swirl, yeah, they'd have been. People would have gone. Oh, that's a bit close. Yes. If it was the word, no one owns the word. Future. Future. Yeah. That's one that we could all use on a daily basis um, but it's because of used the two together i think so uh you know and also just the just the kind of tone of it yeah you know it just looked like something it looked like his style yeah you know because there's do you mind talking about the one you've actually been involved in something like this what ripping somebody off no <laughs> someone <laughs> ripping you off. yeah yeah I, I have which i Racking my brain, it, you would have been in Australia maybe a year, I yeah. think. And someone sent you on social media, Al, I didn't realise you were working with Ikea. Yeah. And then you showed me a picture of what you used to paint back in the day, which was one of your Franks. Yeah. Which was a very unique style, a stylized version of a Frankenstein. Yeah. And it was... On the inside of a store, mm. on one of these makeshift bedrooms, mm. probably like a teenager's bedroom. Yeah. And it was a feature wall. Yeah. And it was painted the same colours. Yeah. A very rough style yep. of one of your paintings. Yeah. 100% a rip-off. Yeah. That was 100% someone had seen that on an Instagram, a Facebook post, somewhere, and they'd taken it in and gone to their bosses, oh, let's put this on one of the kids' bedrooms to make it look like a teenager's kid's bedroom. Absolutely. So you had no idea about this. No. And you got sent this image from a friend. Yeah. And said... No, just a follower on Instagram. A follower just yeah. flagged it and just mm -hmm. went, have you seen this? Yeah. And then what What happened next? So yeah, it was an interesting one because, um, like you said, it was really obviously mine. Yeah. But that said... Really and truly, I don't think that there was any... I don't think they were being dodgy. There was no malicious... I don't think so. I, I don't think they were intentionally ripping me off at all. Yeah. What I think... You know, it's one store yeah. in London yeah. that had done this. It wasn't part of a bigger campaign. Uh-huh. It wasn't anything that they were selling. It was just decoration in a room. 
And I think what must have happened is that a member of staff had said, can I paint a graffiti wall mm -hmm. on one of these walls inside? And the general manager had said, yeah, sure. You know, we want it to make it look like a moody teenager's bedroom. Yep. And he had, or she, who had painted the wall, had copied one of my artworks, right? And that's fair enough. You mm -hmm. know, in fact, you can go on Shutterstock, type in graffiti or type in green street art, and loads of my work comes up on there. Yeah. Right, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, right, as to, like, how that ends up happening and what the legal situation is around that. You know, that's horrendous. You know, there are... You know, there are people going out, taking photos of work on the street, putting it on T-shirts, water bottles, anything you can put it on and selling it. It's very, it's a, that, that is a whole grey area because it's their photograph of a wall and there is an artist's image on that wall. But you wait and see some of these things, people send them to me all the time uh, and it's cropped in so tight mm -hmm. that there's no context at all. Okay, if it's a picture of one of my walls with somebody running past it looking blurry and the sun setting behind it, I could say, okay, I see what they've done here. They've put a wider context around the piece. Yep. They've changed it into something else. It's a photograph of a man running on a street in Hong Kong. My work is a part of that image, but it's not the entire thing. Yeah. But whereas what these guys are doing, you know, they take a photo of one of my walls, they crop it to the point where you can't see anything but the wall. Yeah. And then they put it on product and sell it. You know, there are all these, um, uh, you know, print-to-order places, you know, print-on-demand so spots. You want me to stop doing this, okay? <laughs> no. <I> mean, <laughs> dude, good luck trying to make any money out of it. Um, so, so back to... Back so to Ikea, sorry. Ikea, so you'd been... Someone had flagged it. Someone had sent you the image. Yeah. It was very, very similar to a piece, if I'm correct, that you painted in Bristol. Yeah. And it was on one of their mock-up bedrooms. Yeah. Of your work. Yep. So what went on next? So I, I, I got in touch with an IP lawyer yep. and just said, look, have I got any... A leg sta to stand on. A, a, any leg to stand on here? And he said, um, yeah, I can do it for you if you want, but it's going to cost you too much. I suggest you just email them and make a decent point yep. about it. And I did. You know, I put together... Um, a lot of examples of the sort of stuff that I was painting on the street. It mm -hmm. all looked really similar at the time. I said, look, I've been doing this for years. Um, I've been shown this. This is at a busy store. Uh, a lot of people are seeing this and thinking that it's me, uh, and that's bad for my brand. Yeah. Because um, it was also, it, was, it wasn't a one-to-one -one replica. It was a shoddy copy. Mm. It was... Yeah, I said, look, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't... It's a poor... Poor representation. Yeah, I said it's making me look bad because yeah. people are thinking it's me and it's not done right. Yeah. And so they, they settled. So what I actually said was, look, here's how much I would have charged you for doing a piece like this. Yeah. And I made up a silly number. Yeah. And they, you know, and it was an unreasonable number. Yeah. And respect to them, they got back to me, the, you know, and said, look, we recognize that, that, you know, we've made a mistake. We're really sorry. Uh, We'll paint over it straight away, um, and you know we're prepared to offer you this amount to kind of uh, you know put it to bed. So, and it was a reasonable amount of money yeah. that they that they offered me, um, and so I just said okay. And it, yeah, it was dealt with in the right way. Mm. Now, how this? You're not the first person this has happened to. No, this is not the, all this the is, time. You know, Futura is not the first person. This happens all the time. So, as artists. So in a in a little bit of a different way mm. for me, yeah. My images, my photographs, yeah, get reposted mm. hundreds of thousands of times. Mm. Some of my images, there's one photo series which was called "The End of the Affair," mm. that's been reposted over half a million times. Mad, isn't it? That image series, yeah. Those images have been on and on and on and on. Mm. I have no problem with reposting them or going on feature accounts. Or if you get credited. If you get credited. But do people not credit? Sometimes they do. Sometimes I have a lot of people who will send me images going, this is yours, we spotted it straight away. Because of your unique style, we can tell it's one of your images. And I usually send a polite DM just going, either would you mind crediting myself and the relevant people in, involved in it um, or just remove it. And 99% of the time, straight away, apologise, just didn't realise it come mm -hmm. through. Mm -hmm. 
I do have a problem when my images are used on brands' accounts. Mm. So a lot of the time, brands will be selling, they'll just put you, be putting mood images up. So whether it's a couple embracing one of my images at the end of the fair, um, but that could be used for um, whatever the brand is, but they are using it as an advertising one of my images. Even even though they're not using their product in there, like your image is becoming part of their wider kind yeah. of collateral that yeah. they're using on their social to boost to bolster their. They're social. selling a lifestyle through one of my images. Yeah, right. They're selling the mood, the tone of their mm. product mm. through one of my images. And do brands ever use your stuff and tag you? They they usually don't. They usually don't. I've had Heineken use one of my images, mm. and they straight away they paid. Mm-hmm. What? Because you asked them to. Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I said. So you. So did. So they must have tagged you. How yeah. did you find out they tagged you? They tagged. And then you said, "Hold on, that's not fair. You can't be using this without yeah. paying. You're using it as an advertising." Yeah. Also, then there is a bit where they'll take a photograph and they'll stick their logo on it. Yeah. That's then we're going into a real naughty area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is definitely you're using my images mm-hmm. as your advertising and marketing. Yeah. No, that that that's that's super. That's yeah. just naughty, isn't it? That's stealing. It's totally stealing. Yeah. Totally stealing. Yeah. So what do you do now to protect yourself? Oof, there's nothing you can do. There is nothing you can do. Especially, you know, you like uh, so for example, uh, I have car companies yep. uh, that have small ones uh-huh. that have taken photos in front of my walls. Yep. Uh, and no, sorry, they're not small car. It's a small car, but it's not a small car. There's not many small car companies. Um, well, do you, name names. I like. I don't want to. I don't really want we can, to. Sorry, no, we can call the lawyers. We'll be know, fine. But, but you know, they've taken photos of their cars in front of my walls before, mm-hmm. and posted them. Yeah. You know and. They know that it's too too much for me to deal with. You know, like it's too complicated and expensive for me to pursue. Yeah. Right? And because it's almost better that I'm not getting tagged, right? Mm. Because it means that they, you know, they're just, it's just ambient, you know, it's it's annoying, but my work has just become an ambient noise behind their product. Yeah, right? yeah. And it's, so it's not like it's mysterious owl, uh, like collab. It's, it's a funny one, isn't it? Like, let's say I'm I'm just going to name a car, like a the new little Ford hatchback, mm. the little like whip around the city, mm. and they, you're trying to sell. This is a perfect for, you know, a single person or like a young guy or girl, and it's selling that very city lifestyle, and you know, it it fits in these streets. Mm. So they're trying to sell it exactly. They've got a London or a New York or a here at a Melbourne street. And they're zipping it through one of the tighter alleyways. Yeah. And certainly in Melbourne, you're hard to try and find a street which doesn't have graffiti on it and, or doesn't have street art on well, it. Well, I actually did a car ad, yeah. you know, in the like mid-2000s for Volvo. Yeah. And um, respect to them, they, you know, they found an artist to work with that was me and they paid properly and, mm-hmm. they, and they did everything right. You know, it was really, really good. They own the copyright on or the wall that I painted um, you know they paid more to have that reproduced they did everything right mm-hmm. um, I designed the wall I painted it so I was happy with the way it looked it's when stuff gets used out of context yeah. and not not displayed the way you want it to be displayed yeah you know that's what's awful you know you, you look at it you, you as go, an artist, not only if you made my work look shit but you've done it without my permission. So I have the same where my images will get taken and they'll get recropped. See, I spend a lot of time yeah. cropping an image a certain way. And I also edit it in a very unique style. Mm. But when someone just flicks it to a black and white or they bring up something and they'll they'll add some preset, mm. it just totally changes everything that that image is about. Mm. So it, so you, you're asking about protecting yourself, right? It's really difficult. Because um, it's again all about context. Yeah. My work now is is faces made out of shapes, right? Mm-hmm. I guess if if you were going to be a lawyer, deeming what I do, it's colourful, abstract 
shapes, yeah. you know, that allude to a face, yeah. right? But they're just shapes. They're just polka dots. They're just black lines. You know, they're just the polo mint eye shape that I've got. Yeah. None of that stuff is uniquely me. No. It's only when you put it all together that it becomes, uh, you know, recognisable as the sort of thing that I would do. Yes. Um. So you, I feel like you, you know, you, as artists, we don't have a very strong leg to stand on, and that's why it's really, really important that high-profile cases like Futura and the North Face, he's fighting for all of us. Yep. You know, like we need to. As artists, we need to make sure that we're protected. Mm-hmm. We need to make sure that this stops happening. Yeah. Because it's not fair. It's not fair because being an artist is a profession. It's not a hobby mm. that you do in your shed. We are full-time professional artists. It pays our rent. It pays our mortgages. It pays our bills. Mm. It gives us the lifestyle we want. Just because other people are out there, you know, I like painting or I like taking photographs... This is our job. Mm. And suddenly when they take the work that we are doing. But not only that, like the, the work's important to you. Yeah. It's something that you've worked hard to, to hone and craft. Yeah. You know, and, and make your own. You've come up with something that is yours. So where 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 is this at at the moment? This might be something that we might drop in yeah. a few episodes down the line as I mean, like an update. I, I, I'm wondering if... Um, Futura will keep everybody posted on it via social media yeah I, I really hope he does it's certainly something that I'm going to be watching yeah um, you know I really I really hope that North Face do the right thing and reach out to him get him paid yeah and work out what he wants to do yeah if not um, can I have can I have your jacket yeah I mean I, I will sw- I will switch to Patagonia or something like that I Fair will Right, we stopped recording there, but we suddenly started on a conversation about working with brands. So I think we just carry on with this. Okay. So this is going to be a long... Yeah, piece. yeah, we'll just keep going. So as soon as we hit stop, mm. we then said, well, should we talk about working with brands? Mm. Now you've roughly, off the top of your hand, how many have you worked with in the past 20 years? Like... 10, 15, 20 more? Like maybe a dozen, and like big ones. Like we're talking, do you mind me? I'll throw them yeah, out. We've yeah. got Adidas, yeah. Levi's, yeah. Volvo, yeah. Um, Eastpac, yeah. um, Vans, yeah. Tommy Hilfiger. Tommy Hilfiger, which is the latest one. Yeah, so, more. Like Yahoo, I did a load of stuff for them. Our, who else? Uh, East, did we say Eastpac? We said Eastpac, Rucksacks. Yeah, I've, there's been a bunch of stuff over over the years. So, let's let's use the one that it was it was interesting. I wonder if people know. I am very fortunate. I know most of what's going on. I'm probably one of the first people, if not the first people person, that you come to and tell about something. But it wasn't until the deal was done, the products are out. I was just as surprised as everyone else. Mm. You just went, oh. I'm about to drop a Tommy Hilfiger range. Mm. And if you'd have made me guess a fashion, <laughs> yeah. high street, fashion brand, yeah. high-end fashion brand yeah. that you were about to drop a line with, I and you'd have given me 20 guesses, I do not think I would have got Tommy Hilfiger. Mm. I, at all. They're giant. Absolutely giant. They're I'm juggernaut. Not, I'm not saying that I wouldn't have guessed them because you're not at their level, or mm. they don't come to you. I have just never seen Tommy do anything like this. That was that was why it was so cool. Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I so t- how how I totally how did agree. this come about? Like I would not have guessed Tommy Hilfiger. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's because they hadn't really done anything like this before. You know, they you know they're very they're kind of like in that they're sort of like almost like a junior Ralph Lauren style. Like you know they they've got that. I don't even know if they're junior. They're, like I think I don't think they're as big in Australia, but I reckon in America, you open most people's cupboards, it's either Tommy Hilfiger or Ralph Lauren. They're they're, they're absolutely massive, but I I didn't. It was it was really unusual. I thought for them, it was the first time for them to work with small artists and like small um, de- other designers. That the collection that I did was one 
of a suite of capsule collections that they did with different artists and designers. So uh, let's ha- pretend that we know nothing. How does it come? Does it come, do, do they? Did Tommy slide into your DMs? Yeah. They do you get an touch. email? Yeah. Is it a phone call? Um, yeah. I mean, it started on Instagram. So literally, Tommy Hilfiger slid into your DMs. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, it was somebody working at Tommy. Yeah. Um, got in touch with me, and um, she said, "Look, we're doing this thing." Yeah, uh, it's called Tommy's Drop Shop, and what it is is it's small run limited edition capsule collections. So yeah. it's like a bunch of you do two tees, two two tees, a long sleeve, and a hoodie or something, yeah. right? And they were working with um, they worked with Sports Banger in the UK. They worked with a couple of other different artists that I hadn't heard of, uh, and me. And so I think there were five of us in total. So did they? kind of in a way pitch it to you and say we're working with these guys they did but i wasn't allowed to say who else they were going to be working with but, but I mean, they... did you before you said yes or no did you have a little see yeah. whether it was like other artists you want to be yeah Not definitely fit, there's no collabs between artists but when Do... there is these ca- like collections out you want to know well are these guys how am i going to fit yeah. in with this yeah. yeah absolutely they so they kind of pitched it to me if you yeah. like um but for me, really, I, I love collaborating with brands. Yeah. And it is the best way to get eyeballs on your work. And roughly from them slipping into your DMs yeah. to it being dropped. Really fast. How, like, we're six, talking... Six weeks. That's crazy. Yeah, it's so quick. And this all happened during lockdown. And was it that quick because just... You hit, you basically got on the same page with each other straight away, or they had time frames, or you just you just knew exactly what was going to be produced. No, their their production schedules are bananas fast, um, and this was kind of even quicker as well because because of the, like the nature of the project. Mm-hmm. So it's really really fast, um, but they were super slick. Yeah, you know, like they're really easy to work with. Uh-huh. Um, once I'd kind of said yes. Uh, I got introduced to the design team who are in Amsterdam. Yeah. And then we just went back and forth. Yeah. You know. So I started off with exactly 100% what I wanted to do. And then Tommy kind of molded it a little bit into shape because it needed to also... They know their market better than I do. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I said... I didn't say this, but if I said, oh, I want to do all fluoro pink tees. Yeah. You know, they'd say... Cool, that looks great, but our market won't buy that. You know, maybe do one of those. Yeah. And what you know, I wanted to do all white tees because I only wear white tees. Uh huh. And so, uh, you know, the, uh, there was there was some to and fro because because of that because you know they they're a lot more in tune with their market than I am. Okay, and just from the to and fro, let's jump into our advertising and creative heads. Yeah. Sometimes the to and fro is like banging your head against a brick wall. This, when this it's was a client, easy. how was it, like, in a way, they're the client and you were the designer, the artist. Yeah. What was the to and fro like with that? Because so, in a way, it's a lot more personal to you. It's yeah. not just delivering something because a client's briefed you. Mm. You're delivering Mysterious Out. It's funny because, um, obviously... Through when you work in when you're working in advertising, which we we both used to do, yeah, you work with huge huge brands, yeah, but you're just pr- reproducing what they want, yeah, and you're just doing new versions of stuff they've been doing for years anyway. Uh-huh. So there's nothing new or interesting in it at all. You know, if you're working, if you're doing something for, I don't know, like ANZ. It's so stagnant anyway because it's so wrapped up in, you know, their brand guidelines mm-hmm. and their tone of voice and like and everything looks the we, same. We've mentioned this before when they go, "We really want to do something different." Yeah, and it starts that way, and, and then, then by then the time it comes to the other end, six it's not. six meetings later, yeah, two months down the line, it's exactly what they did last time. So th- this was the opposite in that they they said to me, "We we want to." The reason why we want to work with you is because you are doing something different. I think that was good, though. I think it's nice to take everyone by surprise. Uh, incredible. It, it's it's one of those things where no one's expecting it. It gets 
not in a bad way that it's an unnecessary like bang. Mm-hmm. It was a great, it was really interesting. I think everyone, I think it was nice as well because everyone had just come out of lockdown. Yep. And it was something fun. And, so and, and as you know, I don't often talk about projects until the very last minute. Until, which and, is, I think, a very... This was a very hard one to keep secret. Yeah. And, and, and you know, credit to you, because I know, like, there's nothing like a burning secret inside, but how, I just think it's an incredible little project that you've done. Not, Not little. Thanks, when I say little, I don't yeah. mean little, mm. but such a cool, exciting one. And I think it... It kind of makes it makes me realise. Okay, the north facing wasn't a great situation, which mm. Futura has done, but there is some good guys out there. I think major- the majority of brands are good. Yeah, you know, no one's ever forcing artists to work with them. Yep. Some artists choose not to work with brands. Uh-huh. I totally respect that. Uh, I really I like working with brands. Um, and how like your stuff will have definitely got seen by a brand new audience. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it was you know like just the, it's just the traffic on Instagram. Yeah, you know, was huge from that. So that really, really helps. Um, you know, I would definitely recommend working with brands. I just think um, as well, you just gotta, you gotta stay in control. Yeah. You know, I I I don't see it as selling out at all. Lots of people have issues with uh, working with brands. They call you a sellout. I think as long as you're not losing control of your stuff, you're not selling out. Yeah, do you think your um, time in the advertising industry helps you on collaborations? Because uh, yeah. you've been both sides. Yes, definitely. It definitely helps with the patience. Yeah. Uh, it helps because you understand a little bit more what is going on on the other side yeah. and how many people are involved and how, I call it the temple of fear because definitely at ad agencies, everybody's terrified of the person above them. Yeah. Right. And everybody, you know, so everybody kind of feels like they have to put their mark on something just to um, prove that they're actually doing something. Yeah. Um, so well, I'm not saying it's like that at the brands that I've worked with, but you do just get an understanding of you're not just working with one person. Yeah. You know, I'm not working with Mr. Tommy Hilfiger. I'm working yeah. with like a, a small team of people mm-hmm. who all need to be happy with yeah. what we're doing. They also know stuff that you won't know, which is where color trends are going. Absolutely. Well, you know, big oversized hoodies are not going to be in next year. Yeah. It's going to be tight, skinny fitting things. So, you know, so for them to say, oh, we want to, you know, we want to do a hoodie, like just, be- I don't wear hoodies. Uh-huh. So that wouldn't have been my natural first choice. Yeah. But they're right. The hoodie's the top selling thing. They you know, know, like it they did, know it, where it's going to They go. know exactly. Yeah. They know exactly what's going on. And I think it's the same with all brands. You, you just have to be really, uh, you know, you have to be understanding. You have to be mindful of what's going on there. And, you know, everybody is trying to do the best thing for themselves, you know, mm-hmm. and if if that involves, you know, it, mu- it must be a difficult conversation for a brand to have with an artist to reel them in a little bit. Yeah. I don't think anyone would ever want to have that conversation, but um, sometimes it would be necessary. You know? Yeah. You, so it's not, it's not that you shouldn't be precious about your work, but don't, um, you know, don't feel bad if you have to try something again. Yeah. You know, to to get it right. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It does make sense. Well, I th- I think it's a, it's a great little insight into the world of an artist. Mm. It, this is not your everyday situation, but how amazing the journey can take you. It's look, doing work with brands is always a good thing to do, yeah. especially uh, during a year where you know you can't have a show. Due yeah, to a can't work a show, and you uh, not only couldn't have a show, you couldn't go to the big studio you could only work yeah from, i was you, working your, out the shed you could home. only work from the shed mm. so you were doing something creative and it needed you to mm. be on your laptop yeah it was, it was it was perfect and i think that's what we've said before like adapt mm. adapt to the situation mm. and you had to put down the paintbrushes and also, the canvases and work with the assets on your computer yeah for a while. and that tommy money um paid for half of the spook house show thanks tommy seriously yeah. it, if if that job hadn't come up we couldn't have done it. Did did we? Did you invite him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Hold on. I've got to play it first. Do the next one. <laughs> Come on, just press the button. Failures. What? <clears throat> what? Some that um, you've come across, and some have happened to you, and. 
what's your takes and learnings from them? Um, I think we're naive to think that we don't have any. Um, so I'm just interested to chat about how you pick yourself up um, and how you learn from failures. I just want to say that you you are a very positive person. Yeah. And um, and quite unflappable, I find. You know, certainly when we work together. Uh-huh. Um, the one of the many reasons why I think why I like working with you so much is because, you know, you don't you, you're very composed and you don't seem. Obviously, there are failures, in in what both of us do. I think so the reason you start with yeah. This. So the reason I I still fail today, but the reason I am unflappable or I don't get flapped when things go wrong, or a problem occurs, is because I'm willing to learn from past experiences. So everything I've done from being a photographer, working in a creative agency, all the way from a junior designer mm. up to a studio manager running a studio, um, there is some incredible things that you learn in those situations. There, are, you, get, you get to be part of something and you see other people's workings that are so good and so streamlined. Uh, financially, they they so successful. But then I've also been part of ones where shit just goes wrong shit doesn't work people come in with the total wrong attitude but what i do from every single one of those is i will take that learning okay it doesn't work so when i go into the next business i'll learn from that but what about the emotional part of failing um because as an artist everything you know everything is more uh emotional isn't it totally and <clears throat> there's a, but I do think there's a time and a place for letting the emotions get in. You know, l- let's say th- there's a key date and something has to happen by a certain date, and it can't for whatever reason. Mm. You can't get the venue. You can't. You can't um, get the people involved. There's only so much you can do. So what do you do? You focus that energy on getting angry and upset and disappointed mm-hmm. and annoyed, or do you take that same amount of energy that you're going to use, that same amount of emotion? Mm. and you actually focusing right what's the best we can do out of this Mm. and that's what i do Mm. like that's what i do with a lot of the projects that we're involved in Mm. we joke about it all the time it takes us to do one thing it takes us 10 things yeah something's gonna blow up something's gonna gonna go wrong we'll have got the wrong size something gets nicked Uh, whatever and it's like okay well what's the best we can do from it and i think because i've and i had to learn this the hard way I used to let emotions get the better of me from failures. Mm. And I used to, it really used to knock me. And then I wouldn't be able to produce something. Or I didn't want to produce something because I'm like, I don't want to do it again because... That's the worry for me. You know, it's like, what kind of a failure is it? Okay, mm-hmm. there, there, are, there are different sorts of failures. There are uh, logistical failures yeah. where something doesn't fit in the building where it's supposed to fit. And yeah. we have to go... What the what the hell do we do? Mm-hmm. Like, for for me, those kind of failures um, are fewer and far between because we normally find a fix. We always find a fix. But then there are emotional failures, which are uh, I say emotional failures, but I mean when something's not good enough. When you produce something as an artist, yeah, it's got a part of you into it. Yeah. So that's when when you're saying that to me, I'm thinking. You produce a new series of work mm. or I shoot a new series of photographs mm-hmm. and it's not received in the same way as your past set. What does what does that sort of failure look like to you? Give me an example. The one that doesn't bother me anymore, mm. which I think we almost did a podcast without mentioning social media. Hey, <laughs> what, what, minute, what minute are we in now? Um, you know, what a lot of people and what are people that I mentor... They get upset if they don't get the likes, the mm. thumbs up, the mm. little hearts. Mm. But that is, all it is, is it's the same as getting a clap. Mm. You don't, we're all waiting for the claps. Mm. I don't really, I don't get bothered by that. I produce something because I want to. Mm. And um, I'll put, as soon as I put it out of the world, out to the world, I kind of let go. Mm. Like, That's all right. Um, so hold on a minute. So are you judging are you quantifying anything on that? Like, not really in no. that respect. No. Um, it's it's different, I guess, 
that's where it's a little bit different between us because um, there are other ways for me to quantify failure and success with a physical object like a painting. Yeah. Right. If if you do a print release and no one buys it, mm-hmm. right, or a painting, yep. and it and you think it's great and it doesn't sell, you know, it's hard to not feel of that as a failure. It is. But if you were to come to me and just go, oh, Gareth, we, I've just done this print release. I've done it before. I've done four different paintings and I've done X amount per image. And the last one, it sold out within hours. Mm. This time, it's not. Mm. The way I'd look at that, I'd just go, okay, but the situation could be different. Mm. We've all just been through a terrible year. Mm. So we, maybe we don't all have that disposable income. Mm. Um well, there's a lot of things out at the moment, so maybe yours has just got a loss. I think the crux that we're trying to get to is, how do you quantify failure or success? Is it financial? Is it how rewarded you feel by a piece? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes they can be two totally different things. You might feel great about a photo when you've taken it, or when you're creating a piece, you might feel great, and then that piece is isn't well received and suddenly you feel bad about it yeah i the, i don't it was know how, a success I, and then a failure yeah, i don't know how this is going to be perceived but i'm just being honest i know when i've taken a good picture mm. i know when i've clicked a photograph and the models in a certain way the light certain way certainly there is the mood and the energy within the room that i'm wanting mm. to come across in this image i know when i've taken a good mm. picture and that's come with experience years years. i know it's good and i know it's what i want to produce Mm. so that's a success that's a success at that point it's a success should i draw the line then uh then what we do as artists we put it out into the the world Mm. where we can have people comment on it we can have people want to buy it not want to buy it we can have a client who maybe you've shot for on a brief it's not quite what they were thinking it's not quite what they wanted. Mm. So does then it become a failure? Like, I didn't think it was failure. I thought it was the exact shot that I wanted. Mm. But as soon as we're getting other people involved, like I'm asking your opinion of it, mm. you might go, oh, it's okay. It's so difficult. So, it, you know, but I mean, what's the answer to the question? How, how do you deal with failure? Like, oh, I asked you something the other day, and I said to you, do you know when you have... When you halfway through painting something, or or when you step back halfway through producing, or you finish that painting, mm. do you know it's going to be a cracker? You know that's a great painting. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, there are different stages to my work. Mm-hmm. So I start with the paper, and then I go into Photoshop and I collage it a yep. bit more in Photoshop. At that point, I know it's going to be. You know, it's going. I feel energized at that point, yeah. and then and then scaling it up and actually painting it, putting paint to canvas yeah. that's just process i really enjoy it but it's yeah. just process yeah so i already know uh, you know the, the magic has already kind of happened for me and i'm already feeling energized by it so and i'm totally playing then you do the thing of you put that on a on a gallery wall or at one of your shows yeah and it doesn't sell yeah how like is that a failure? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Because I now we put in that financial. Yeah, like, exactly. Success is a financial reward. Where should it not be? I've just produced a killer piece of work, and I really enjoyed producing it, and it looked great in my studio, and it looked incredible when it was lit in the gallery. It's exactly how you envisage all the way back those months yeah. when you were laying out those pieces of paper. Yeah. You know what? But I, go on. The failure. Should it be when it just goes, no one bought it? At that point, I do not feel like it's a failure. I, I just don't think it was uh, the right piece for anybody that was in market at that time. Yeah. Right, I really, really don't. And I think it's, it's the same. And the other thing is as well, some, some of my weirdest work yeah. is my favourite stuff, and it's the stuff that doesn't sell. And maybe it's because it's t- too weird for people. People aren't quite ready for it yeah. yet. You know? And who knows, like, who, like, as time goes on, or as you get more well known, or you sort of get bigger, or I do, my images get seen more. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, the stuff that we were like years ahead of ourselves—not years ahead of ourselves—but what we thought was like that's a, 
an incredible image mm. that's got the mood and an emotion. You know, that's got what we want a viewer to see. It's just a bit too much mm. at, for, at the time. So I, how do I deal with it, Failure? Yeah. Um, I think I've stripped quite a few layers off myself right now mm. and I don't really get affected. Um, if I enjoy producing it, if it comes naturally, um, it's not failure. If it doesn't sell and I don't make money out of it, it's always going to be there. My work doesn't date. Your work doesn't date, really. Mm. So... Well, I hope not. I hope not, yeah. Well, okay, so so I guess that there's different kinds of... What we've learned, right, there's different kinds of failures, okay? Yeah. There are creative failures which carry a little more emotional weight and they are the ones that aren't necessarily failures they're just but they've been perceived differently i think the 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 biggest taking from me is allow yourself to fail allow yourself to put yourself out there with the chance to fail and if you do learn from it i feel like i'm failing most when i'm in the midst of a creative block yeah and i can't get anything good out Mm-hmm. and it generally happens after I've just done like a big thing and I'm like okay I've got to keep this momentum going and I go into an empty studio and I start trying to make new stuff Feels and it forced. all just looks exactly the same as the stuff yeah. that I just did and I say to myself no come on you've got to push it mm-hmm. you've got to go 10% more and so and it's just everything's coming out dreadful and you know if I don't have those little wins regularly that's when i feel like i'm failing yeah and i I i think i think what you're saying there is you are deciding whether you're failing don't let other people yes other people can have their opinions but don't let that don't let that be the mark that makes you feel like you failed yes agree that's what i'd say yeah and that's what my learnings of over all the years are only when i decide that's not Fail's a really harsh word, but that's not quite what I wanted. So mm. I'll try it again, or I'll try it in a different way, mm. or I use a different style and technique to get what I'm doing. Mm. I've learned from that failure. Mm. If someone else says something that makes you feel like you failed, that's just their opinion. It is. That's not a failure because you right. did it and they haven't. And whereas you know a more logistical fail, like when you misplan something and you just fuck it up completely, that's when you can learn from it. Totally. You know, okay, we're going to definitely need more budget from that last time. Okay, the scissor lift doesn't go that high. We needed a permit for this. Yeah. This building's heritage listed, and now we need to repaint the whole we, thing. We've learned, these are real things. These are so many real things. When you're saying them, I'm just going, that was that project, that yeah. was that project. And we've learned from it each time. Like, you look at how we plan a project now compared to how we planned a project four years ago. When we, got, when we planned a project before, it was like, get the keys do the project yeah done. now it's like permits it's like you, you know security getting a lock on the door yeah not leaving the tools out you know not getting stabbed by yeah exactly. yeah it is it's this has been it's been a it's going to be interesting for me to listen back to this podcast because i don't know where we've gone me neither it's going to be an interesting one maybe there'll be a bit more structure next week yeah. all right cheers guys bye-bye